Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. Thanks again for joining me here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 59. Well, it was a pretty exciting sports weekend, even though everyone was forced to watch the Maroon 5 of Super Bowls. Seriously, that was absolutely awful. Between the commercials, the game, the halftime show, well, I'm sure glad that there was actually some good golf to watch. Congrats to Ricky Fowler for closing out the waste management and picking up another victory. For those of you that were paying attention, the new rules of golf are, well, um, a little confusing. I thought that the knee-high drop wasn't going to be that complicated, but I guess it's going to be something everyone is going to have to work through. If you're listening to this podcast and you have some tournaments coming up this year, please brush up on the rules. If you're here in the States, contact your state golf association and see if they have some rule seminars because... Seriously, it's going to be an ongoing thing this year. Before we get to this week's guest, I wanted to share a pretty cool story that you might have seen if you are following us on Instagram. By the way, you can do that at the Back of the Range podcast. So, Blair Hamilton reaches out the Sunday before the Waste Management Open. Just wanted to drop us a line, let us know that he has some stories to share from the PGA Latin America Tour. If we were interested, of course we are. So we chatted for a bit, and I said, hey, when's your next tournament? Blair said that he had a Monday qualifier for the Waste Management. All I said was good luck, and we just activated the good luck mojo from the back of the range. Guess what happened next? Yep, Blair shoots 65, survives a 4-for-3 playoff that actually finished up on Tuesday morning, And he played in the Waste Management. Now, he didn't make the cut, but for a guy playing the Latin America Tour, playing the McKenzie Tour, it's great experience. And he's going to share that story and a lot more of them with us very soon. You will learn more about Blair Hamilton here at the back of the range in the next month or so. As for this weekend, well, I'm going to head over to the Oasis Championship in Boca Raton, Florida. I'm going to be there for the Champions Tour debut of Mr. Gary Nicholas, a friend of the podcast. And he's got his buddy Johnny V on the bag. He's a friend of the podcast as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun to check out him and the current and future Hall of Famers. Before we get to this week's guest, though, please, I cannot stress it enough, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. I've been getting a lot more of those. The people that leave the reviews, yeah, they're getting some swag. They're getting our Back of the Range Golf Podcast towels sent out to them. So leave a review. Shoot me a DM in in Instagram. Let me know what's going on. Let me know what you think of the podcast. That's really, really important. That shapes what kind of guests we're going to have moving forward. So go to thebackoftherange.com. That's where all the links to all the social media channels are. Also, check out the show notes of this episode. So our guest this week was so excited to find out that her episode was going to be released this week, she decided to leave the country. I'm serious. She is currently in Australia playing in the LPGA Vic Open. Our guest this week, LPGA Tour rookie and two-time U.S. Women's Amateur Champion, Kristen Gilman. We chatted last year about her start in the game, her experience playing at the University of Alabama, and her incredible amateur career. As I said, two U.S. Amateur wins. She played Curtis Cup, World Amateur Team. She did it all. Kristen could very well be the next breakout star on the LPGA Tour, so I'm glad she was able to spend some time with us here at the back of the range. Hey, Kristen, how are you? 
I'm good. Um, thank you for having me out here. You're uh, you're welcome. So you are currently getting ready to embark on your professional career. You uh, just mentioned before we started recording that you're out hitting balls. You're in Texas. Uh, give me some tips and give our listeners some tips on how you battle with uh, cold weather while trying to play golf. Um, I mean, I honestly don't think there's many tips to it. You just kind of, you got to take what the weather is and just know that everyone um, at this time of the year is practicing out there in the cold. And so you just got to go out there with a good attitude and, um, I mean, take those breaks when you need to. So your hands don't freeze off. But <laughs> that's about it. What is the, what's the coldest, uh, we'll get into how you got into golf and get into your amateur accomplishments and, and your thoughts on turning professional. But um, in efforts of keeping things light, can you remember the coldest you've ever been on a golf course? Uh, yeah, I think that answer comes pretty easily to me. It was our national championship my freshman year. We we're in Chicago, and I think it didn't get above 42 degrees, and it was raining the whole time with, like, 50 miles per hour wind. And I've never been so cold before in my life, and so that's probably the coldest I've ever been. But. <laughs> And you got just layers upon layers upon layers and just can't feel your fingers. And just at some point, you're just like, well, we'll just get this done, right? Yeah, everything ends up getting wet. Your clothes, your hands, your gloves, everything. And so um, you just kind of have to stick it out for uh, those 18 holes. And then you can go back in the heat after that. <laughs> sure. So <laughs> you started, uh, you know, you're, you're native, I believe, of Austin, Texas. There's a few golfers that came out of Texas. Uh, and you you went to university of alabama just in the process of finishing up there academically but you're going to move on and play professionally so uh, give me an idea how did how did you first get started in the game we kind of start that way with all of our guests just give a little baseline introduction of how you got started playing golf yeah um my dad played a lot growing up and so he got me and my uh, two sisters into it whenever we were younger and then my older sister um, she just graduated from the University of Nebraska and she played college golf there for four years and so it's kind of something that her and I did together growing up and um, kind of a family thing that my dad kind of brought us into it. And um, your, your sister's playing at Nebraska. I would imagine there's got to be a sibling rivalry. Just forget about golf, just sisters being sisters. Did it did it help your golf career and your to have a, a sister have a sibling to kind of compete against? Can you imagine yourself not having that sort of a relationship where you can kind of compete against each other? Yeah, I think it definitely helped. Um, just growing up, I mean, we'd practice practice together every day, and so um, we'd push each other, and so I think it helped a lot just with motivation. Um, just from when we, since we began playing golf up until now, just pushing each other and. I honestly can't um, think about going through that process alone without her because, I mean, we we're on the high school team together for two years, practice together every day. And so um, I think it's definitely helped me in my process to grow as a golfer. Sure. Now, uh, a lot of people know that you just recently won the U.S. Women's Am in, in 2018, but this is your second time around. You you won that tournament for the in, in 2014 as a 16-year-old. You know, I, I look at the names that, that you went through and obviously it immediately goes to uh, the person you beat in the final. You beat Brooke Henderson, who's had tremendous success in the LPGA Tour. I could be 100% wrong here, but have you reflected back on that since 2014? Not just the fact that you won, but who you beat and what kind of career she has had. Has that given you any extra maybe insight about your abilities and what kind of success you hope to have in the LPGA Tour? Yeah, I think it definitely gives me confidence. Um I know 
that week. Um, I was playing really well, and uh, Brooke was playing really well too. And so to see what she's been doing now on the LPGA Tour and know that sure. I'm about to get out there and um, that I have beat her before and that she's out there one of the top players in the world, I think it definitely gives me confidence going into this next season. You've had a lot of exciting things as an amateur. You've The U.S. World Team you've been on, you've played Curtis Cup, you've played Palmer Cup. Other than the golf, what's the most fun uh, part of playing on these these teams? Is it the travel? Is it the camaraderie? What what do you really enjoy so much about the the, the team environments? I think with the team environments, um, my favorite part has probably been just um, the people I've been able to meet through those teams. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, the World Am team. I had Lilia Vu and Jennifer Kupcher on my team, and I already played a few teams with them that summer, and so I'm able to. Uh, create really good relationships with these people and I know they uh, it's going to be experiences I'll never forget and so I think just everyone that I'm, I'm able to meet throughout the teams whether it's on my own team or the other country's team it's been really cool to just get to know everyone and learn more about uh, different countries and just everyone's life. What's the uh, what's the what's the country that you've been to that maybe before you left you're thinking well I don't I don't, I don't know much about this country I don't I don't know if this is going to really click for me that you've been pleasantly surprised with that you had the most fun at. I've been to Japan four times actually, but I think the first time I went over there, I was like, I've never been over to Asia. And so I was just kind of worried about going over there with the food and just the culture and not being able to speak their language. But I mean, I've enjoyed every time I've gone over there and it's really cool to see um, their lifestyle versus ours and just uh, kind of, immersed in the culture for about a week or so and it's been a lot of fun what is the most outrageous thing you had to eat over in in japan i don't really know i whenever i go to other countries i try to stray away from um all these crazy foods just okay. most of the time i don't even know what i'm eating like pickled so scorpions what... and uh you know things like that so you're not eating the crazy stuff right no i'm i'm, I'm staying away from those i'm staying more to the american japanese kind of food there. american japanese they don't have bar they don't, well i guess so like korean barbecue if you've ever been in korea i guess that's kind of what you're going for right yeah and they have like steaks but i mean i guess they're not really steaks and burgers and stuff like that they all taste different but at least i kind of know what it is all the steaks in japan are, are dogs and horses by the way did you know that oh that's disgusting i'm kidding i'm totally kidding i'm gonna edit that out i'm just trying to listen <laughs> they're trying to be a little bit different here um so uh uh tell me about alabama you you just uh completed your collegiate playing career at alabama i know you're gonna finish up the degree with some online courses but Tell me how you got to Alabama, you know, coming out of high school and, and your championships and all your amateur accomplishments. I've spoken to a lot of previous guests where they kind of had their pick of schools that they'd want to go. How did uh, Alabama get to the top of your list? I was really interested in Alabama because, um, I mean, I started the recruiting process pretty young. And so I started looking, I think it helped too that I had an older sister who was going through the same thing. And so I just kind of uh, went along with visits with her and then I kind of came to Alabama by narrowing things down. Like I want to get out of Texas. I want to stay in the South and I want to get to the East. So they kind of eliminated a lot of schools. And then, so I basically looked at a lot of the SEC schools and like Oklahoma state. Um, and so I really liked Alabama just cause the, I feel like the winning culture that has been uh, established here. And so I wanted to go somewhere where we had a chance to win a national championship and I knew I would have a team um, that would push me to become a better player. And so I felt like Alabama was the right place for that. 
Have you had a chance to talk or play golf or visit with Mr. Sabin over there on campus at all? Yeah, actually on my recruiting visit, um, they they took me into Coach Saban's office, but uh, it's kind of embarrassing, but I didn't know who Coach Saban was when I came on my recruiting visit. That's, that's and so, awesome. That's um, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, oh, you're going to Nick, go and meet Coach Saban now. My dad's like, do you know who Coach Saban is? And I was like, no. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you don't know who it is. So I didn't meet him on my visit, but um, he comes out to our golf course some, but I know he's pretty stressed, so we kind of let him just have his alone time. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he gets a little uh, – gets a little excited he uh yeah this is a stressful time of year for him but uh and how are i have never been to uh tuscaloosa i've never been to a football game i know that you attend quite a few there um is it easy to describe that environment or is it just completely impossible you have to be there you have to experience it you you basically have to be there and experience it i i feel like our student section gets so into it uh, and every game and every song they play. And so I think it's just something that you have to be there and just see um, how loud we can get and how much fun it is. Well, I, I, I know we're talking about fun stuff and we're joking around, but I do need to kind of get into something uh, from last year. Um, it, we got to talk about the national championship. Um, I did have coach Ionello from Arizona on earlier this year. So that episode obviously had the highs of the, of the national championship, Unfortunately, there has to be a loser. That uh, that was Alabama. Um, you you qualified. You're going to turn pro. You're going to forgo the chance of, of going back and trying to get another crack at that. Uh, what were your experiences from from that week uh, in at Carson Creek? I think I definitely learned a lot um, that last year at the national championship. Uh, I had a great group of girls. We had so much fun. It's a it's a long week. I think you play maybe seven rounds, not including practice rounds or anything. And so we were out there playing a lot of golf and just sadly we couldn't get done the last day, but I know everyone on my team far hardest. And so that's really all you can ask for. And so leaving it, um, I know that we don't have any regrets and that we um, laid it all out there and that uh, we're all pretty good friends with the Arizona team too. And so I'm really excited and happy for them to get that win. Yeah, that was an interesting, uh, interesting conversation with Coach Ionello because she she mentioned that she really likes uh, a certain type of player. Like um, we we kind of joked around, but she likes golf dorks. She likes people that are just watching golf all the time, talking golf, practicing golf. I'm assuming golf has a strong strong uh, a spot in your life. But what are things that you do that most people that are going to be following you next year in the LPGA Tour would have? no idea that you have an interest in i don't know i feel like i don't have anything very interesting i do but when i was uh younger all throughout like elementary school i was i was competitive swimmer and so i just love being outside whether it's like swimming or i enjoy going on like hikes with my friends and so uh i feel like whenever i'm not golfing i'm still outside doing something else and i don't like just sit inside watch tv so (laughs) i like to be out in the outdoors so you you go to Q, uh, go to Q series, and and for those people that are listening that are a little uncertain about the process of how, of how Kristen, how you how you acquired your card for the LPGA Tour next year, can you just kind of explain briefly how it is that you obtained your card? Because there's you know there's the Symmetra route, there's a lot of different routes to get your card. Um, how did you uh, acquire your card? There's three stages in Q school, but I got exempt to the second stage through my Rolex ranking 
uh, off of how I played in professional events over the summer. And so I went to second stage. I think there's like 200 people there and about 35 people made it to third stage. And so I think I was right around in the middle pack there, like 12th, 13th place, something like that. So I made it to third stage and then there's about a hundred people there in the top 45 get LPGA status. So I think I got like 15th place. And so, um, how you finish in Q series determines your priority this year for the LPGA. And so um, hopefully I'll get into all the events, but it's no guarantee. Of course. So you, so you get in through Q series, you're going to, you're going to have your card. Now, one of the things about Q series is that for amateurs, you can either turn pro right away or you can forego that and wait till after NCAAs finish. So I'm just curious, was that a thought of, do I want to forego and postpone the professional career or how did you come to the decision to immediately turn pro and begin at, uh, you know, and, and forego your, your spring season? I think, um, I mean, obviously I've been thinking about that decision for a long time and uh, kind of over the summer and, and in the fall, I decided that um, just the way my game was at, that I was kind of no matter what tour I was going to be on, I was going to turn pro, um, of this time of the year and forgo the spring season. And so I knew that going into Q school, whether if I got LPGA or Symmetra status, that um, I was going to go ahead and start whenever those tours start and just kind of uh, get my feet wet out there and just kind of experience it. So I have more time to learn. Nice. And I guess the other thing that <laughs> I guess I have to ask you too, when the announcement last year at, uh, at the masters with the Augusta national women's amateur was announced, by uh, um, by Chairman Fred Ridley, do you remember hearing about that for the first time? What was your reaction to that? Yeah, it was definitely really cool, and it's a great thing for women's golf to have that tournament. Um, it sucks that uh, I won't be able to play in it, but I know that everyone playing in it is going to enjoy it so much, and that I think it's really going to help grow the game of women's golf. Gotcha. So. Um, I have a couple of random questions here. We kind of like to throw things, um, you know, just kind of off the wall questions here. Just see what we can see what we can get out of you. Um, you've traveled all over the world playing golf. You're going to, you've done it as an amateur. You're going to do it as a professional pretty soon. What is one thing that you have forgotten to pack that when you get to your destination, no matter what it costs, you have to replace it right away. Or can you imagine a situation like that where it would happen? I usually don't forget many things, so I haven't forgotten anything, thankfully, going to other countries. But uh, if I were to think of one thing I would have to pack is you, no matter where you go, you probably should bring some American snacks because you probably won't like the food and you're going to starve if you don't have any. So don't think you can replace that by the time you get there, but I think American snacks is always good. What are the American snacks you recommend to all of your fans and junior golfers out there that follow your career? What should they have in your bag? What should they have in their bag? So uh, I should say, what should they have that, that you have in your bag? So if they have your snacks, they're going to be able to play like you someday. Come on. You're helping the kids. uh, You're helping junior golfers everywhere right now with your answer. (laughs) I like to keep it. I like to keep it pretty basic. Uh, I either like a protein bar or peanut butter crackers or trail mix or, um, like energy gummies, I kind of switch it up because if I eat the same thing every time, I will just get tired of it and then sure. eventually not eat. Um, and eating on the course is very important. And so I kind of keep a mix of five or six different things in my bag just to see what I feel like at that time, just so I have 
something that I can eat and I can like enjoy eating or else I probably won't be eating anything on the course. Okay. We're everyone listening. Kristen needs a, a multitude of uh, snack sponsors. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get that to nature Valley. If you're listening, nature Valley, hook her up. Um, what, uh, so let me ask you this one. I threw, I threw a couple of these questions out, uh, to Sandra Gall when she was on earlier this year. Let's see, you're, you're out, um, you're out on the town with a friend or you're out traveling with someone and you both lose your phones. It's a scary situation for, for anyone, (laughs) but you're out with a friend or you're out and you need to find your way back to the hotel. You need to find your way back to civilization. Um, who's the first person that you're going to, who'd you want to be with actually? If you and your friend are stuck, who's that one person that you want to be with? I don't know. Uh, I have a funny story about that kind of though. Yes. Me and my friend, I've, un- uh, I've, Caitlin unco- Papp. I've uncovered it. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Me and my friend, Caitlin Papp. She's like one of my best friends from, um, she went to my high school. Now she plays at the University of Texas, but we were playing in tournament in Japan and we thought it was a good idea to go down one subway entrance and then come up the other subway entrance. And so we ended up getting lost, but we found our way back. And so I guess. So far, we're 100 percent getting lost and finding our way back to the hotel. So I'd probably have to pick Caitlin Pat, but um, hopefully that never happens. At least in Japan, you have to pick her. I mean, you know, that's <laughs> absolutely. Um, you've you've played some you've played some majors. You've played some uh, some tournaments, like I said, all over the world, and you've played with some professionals. Uh, um, I think you've had some time with uh, Lydia Ko and um, Morgan Pressel, Michelle Wee. Um, what are do you have anything that's really stuck out in your mind from some of these professionals that you've carried with you since meeting them either things you've seen them do on the golf course something they've done practice round or any little tidbits they've provided to you what are some of the things that you're going to carry into your professional career i think the advice i've been getting from a lot of the players just throughout the years is um not to make it more than just a game that um even though it's kind of uh, your job that you just kind of want to make sure you enjoy and soak in every moment out there and not put uh, too much importance on it because at the end of the day, it's just a game. And so uh, it doesn't mean the whole world if you play good or bad, but sure. um, just kind of enjoy every second out there. Sure. And you're getting ready. You're going to, you're going to head out on the LPGA tour next year. So between obviously we're, we're recording this just at the very tail end of November. So weather is a little bit of a challenge. So um, or it can be a challenge, but I'm just curious when you're off, you're not traveling, you're at home or you're in one spot getting your work done. What does a typical day look like for someone that's getting ready to play on the LPGA tour? What, what does your day look like as far as, you know, practice and working out? Just want to give our listeners an idea that it's, you don't just show up at the golf course and shoot in the sixties. Yeah, I think, um, it's kind of a, Lately, it's been a mix of uh, both just working and uh, taking time off. I took a few weeks just completely off just to reset my mind and everything. I always do that during the off season. Okay. And um, just this week, I started getting back into it. And so I think you just kind of have to start small, um, work on the basics, and then eventually uh, start start playing again and just play from different yardages, different tees, different courses, just to um, – practice different kind of shots and just any situation that you may be in, you just want to be out there and practice it. So when you get to that point on the golf course, you're prepared. As far as what's in the bag, um, what kind of clubs are you playing right now? Uh, as far as are you changing equipment now that you're turning pro? Um, are you kind of sticking with what you've had for, for forever? Kind of what, what are your equipment? Uh, what's your equipment status right now? Yeah, I use almost uh ping in all my clubs, but um 
I'll, I'll still use ping um, for most of them. And then I've been tinkering around with uh, different kind of irons and different shafts and stuff like that. And so I'm not exactly sure what I'll put in my bag but when it comes to the first tournament. Sure. But I think it'll still look pretty similar to how it has been the last few years. Nice. And, you know, the other thing that I, I wanted to bring up, too, is um, – you know, and actually this gets back to coach Ionello in Arizona, you know, she, she won or she runnered up at the U S women's am, I believe in 2000 and she did try and play professionally, but it just wasn't the lifestyle. And I'm just curious, you know, I think a lot of golf fans look around, they see that lifestyle. They think everything is just, you know, super glamorous, whether they're following pros on, on social media or they're seeing what they think their life is like. Um, but it's not all private jets. It's not, you know, all putting together lucrative endorsement deals. Other than your skill on the golf course, with on the golf course, which is undeniable, you know, what are some of the strengths that you have that you think are going to help you succeed as a professional golfer? Um, you know, living that life. I think just um, I've been lucky enough in my amateur career to have a lot of experiences of traveling and stuff, and so I think if uh, I just got there and um, kind of been doing what I've been doing and just whenever you're not on the golf course, just get your mind off of golf. So you don't get burnt out out there. Sure. Cause um, I mean, definitely out there for 20 something weeks, I think a year. And so I think whenever you can just take your mind off of golf and uh, maybe go sightsee some or hang out with some of your friends on tour or just do stuff like that, just to get away from it for a little bit. Nice. I have to ask you about one of your good friends, uh, Mr. Cole Hammer. He was a previous guest here at the back of the range and, you know, uh, Cole and Garrett Barber won the U.S. four ball last year, and I was fortunate to have them both on. And we had Cole on first. And I said, all right, Cole, you get the first crack at Garrett Barber. Give me a good Garrett Barber story. And he, he gave me a good, pretty good story. And then I said the same thing for Garrett, and he gave me a, a, a good Cole Hammer story. Um, you're in a great position here because I've already interviewed Cole, so it's probably going to be another year or two before I get to talk to him again. So you get first crack. You're good friends with them. You gotta have a good Cole Hammer story. Uh, I'd probably <laughs> say the best story I have of him maybe is uh, we're both at the World Am team this year, and uh, That's we're in just Ireland, right? Yeah, it was in Ireland, and um, we all were just hanging out in each other's rooms and everything. And uh, he was trying on these. I think they got Maui Jim sunglasses, and uh, so he was listening to some music he liked. So he just started like dancing or whatever, and it was pretty funny. But um, that may be, I, I probably don't have that many funny stories from him, but that'll probably be the best one that I have right now. Okay. And as long as there's video of that that you can send me, then I, then that, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so let me see here. We kind of end each episodes here with just some random questions, like a quick bucket from the back of the range. So let me throw this question out at you. Um, Jack Nicholas won the masters in 1986 at the age of 46. Compare that to a, um, fifth green jacket of Tiger Woods, which would be the more substantial victory? I don't know. Probably the fifth green jacket of Tiger Woods, just because, I mean, that's just winning the Masters is uh, so hard that if you once you win it like five times, that's insane. And so I think that may be it, but um, they're both pretty close. Yeah. Um, if you can give a major championship to anyone in history, who would it be? Um, if I could give a major championship to anyone, I don't know. I feel like it would be pretty cool to see uh, Tiger win another one, um, win a major championship. It's, he's so good for the game and, um, 
I guess it doesn't really matter which one it is, but if he could win another major, that would be pretty exciting to watch. Okay. Would you rather win the Women's British Open or play on two losing Solheim Cup teams? I would probably say um, play on two losing Solheim Cup teams just because, uh, I mean, playing for a country, there's uh, nothing greater than that. And, I mean, even if you got there and lose, uh, being all Solheim Cup team is uh, has always been my dream. And so that would be pretty exciting uh, if i am able to play on one of those someday that's very interesting i i was i was not expecting that answer so good (laughs) no i like it i i'm i'm nuts for Ryder cup and any sort of uh, team format stuff so i i would go with the same thing but uh very interesting um i was going to ask you would you rather play blades for the rest of your life or persimmon woods for the rest of your life but i don't think you've ever played persimmon woods so that's not, <laughs> no. not, not going to really apply to you um what's your what's your fashion sense uh what what's your what are your thoughts on uh, on lpga fashion um any any thoughts on maybe uh clothing uh sponsors that you're kind of looking at or or kind of what's your or is that just kind of not in your radar I'm not too picky when it comes to like the brand of clothes, so I haven't really gotten that far yet in um, trying to figure out my clothing sponsor. But as long as they're comfortable and look good, uh, I'll be wearing those clothes. So, <laughs> who who on the LPGA tour do you look at and you say I I want to raid their closet? I don't really know. Maybe I honestly don't even know the answer. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not that big into fashion, so I'm like all clothes look the same to me, basically. <laughs> Let's see. Would you rather play a tournament without golf tees or without wedges? Probably without golf tees because um, I probably have to practice some drivers off the deck, but yep. I think wedges are pretty uh, helpful. So probably play a tournament without golf tees. Nice. Well, Kristen, I do appreciate the time. I know you're working hard and getting ready to embark on your professional career on the LPGA Tour. So thank you again for taking the time to join us here at the back of the range. We'll be following you and uh, best wishes. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. And there you have it, another great episode here at the Back of the Range. Special thanks to Kristen Gilman for joining us this week. Don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we will see you again next week for episode number 60 here at the Back of the Range.